Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst and I'm your host for this show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thanks for joining us on this day. And uh, we are not in any kind of series. This is going to be a standalone message from me. And I'm going to share a little bit more about what that is and why I share the message I share uh, when you get to the message. So I, I hope you enjoy from that. And um, I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser. Uh, this is going to be about Jesus. <laughs> Straight up, it's just about Jesus. And um, it's it's primarily just a good reminder for me personally. And, uh, and I hope it will be... Um, inspiring to you as well, and that you'll be able to take something from it and apply it to your own life. Um, I want to remind you that if you are a newer listener and you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do so. And if you'd like to give to Life Church Canton and the work that we're doing here, you want to partner with us, I would love to invite you to do that as well. Uh, you can find out more information on how to do that by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash give. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome to Life Church, everybody. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and welcome to anybody who's watching online, anybody uh, in the room as well. And uh, you have a Connect card on your chair if you are here in person. We'd love for you to fill that out, get connected with us. We want to help you take next steps. And then for those of you online, you have links that you can click on throughout the gathering and encourage you to do that as well. We are not in a series today on Galatians. Uh, we're, we're moving on from Galatians. You can never read Galatians ever again. Uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's a weird clap for that one. Um, that's okay. Uh, we're glad you're here either way, but we are going to be starting a new series next week where we talk about our codes, and all of those are on our wall. So today, what that means is you're going to hear a standalone message. We call them standalones because they kind of stand all unto themselves. And uh, oftentimes what we do with standalone messages is we just kind of say, what, what do we feel like is on our hearts? What's God teaching us? What do we feel like God needs to say? And so I've been doing a re- lot of reflecting on that myself. And um, there's a couple things that have stuck out to me. Uh, several weeks ago, I gave a message and I mentioned that there was this person in my life, this friend who has this uh, gift to be prophetic, to be encouraging to me, uh, hearing from God in, in unique ways, and had said to me, said, uh, they, they said, I feel like you need to spend more time with Jesus. And at the time, I said that that seems generic, but it wasn't generic to me. It, it meant a lot to me. And so I took it to heart and have spent a good chunk of my time with Jesus more intentionally uh, the, in these last few weeks, and it's been really good. And so uh, there was another thing that stuck out to me in last week's message where Nathan said, only the cross matters. Only the cross matters. And he kept on saying it. And so it really stuck with me, this idea that only Jesus matters. Only the cross matters. I need to spend more time with Jesus. And also throughout these last few weeks, I've spent a lot of time in the gospel according to John, uh, which is all about Jesus. And so all of that sort of coming together really helped me identify, what do, what do I need to talk about today? And, and I'll, I'll say this too, spoiler alert, this message is probably more for me than it is for anybody in this room and anybody watching online. So you kind of can have a little bit of insight into what God is teaching me and what I'm learning, and hopefully you could take something away as well. If you want to be there with me, I'll be in John chapter 6, just to give you a heads up if you like to kind of work ahead. And if you don't have a Bible, that's entirely okay. We'll have the words on the screen in just a moment. Before we get there, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, a couple of years ago, there was a big marketing campaign with Weight Watchers, and one of the main spokespersons, uh, spokespeople for Weight Watchers was Oprah. 
And it was this really weird commercial that came out uh, because she started the commercial. It was just, just her, nothing else. And she says this. She goes, I love bread. Have you seen this one? I love bread. I love it. I love bread. I can have bread whenever I want. I just have to manage it. I love bread. You know how she does that kind of singing thing. And, and you think she's going to go into this moment where she's like, and you get a loaf, and you get a loaf. Look under your chairs. There's Sarah Lee right there, you know? Like, it was a weird commercial. And I love Oprah. You know, she's cool, whatever. But like, it, the, the whole idea of this thing was this, it was more about the marketing campaign, is this idea of like, you know, you can never have bread because that, uh, you know, is bad for your diet if you're trying to lose weight. But the big deal was, no, now you can have bread. And you can, you can have, not only have bread, but you can still achieve the results that you want to achieve, which in this case is, you know, managing your weight or losing weight. All of this makes sense because this commercial kept going through in my mind as I'm reading through this section of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. This idea that we love bread, but we can still achieve the results that we want. That will make sense in just a moment. Turn with me to John chapter 6, uh, verse 22, and we're going to read to verse 35. Just a little bit of quick setup before we get into this story is Jesus has just fed the 5,000 bread and fish. And now the people want to come find Jesus. It says this, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, which means teacher, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's why I feel like this message has been for me. It's this idea that as I spend more time with Jesus, as I recognize that only Jesus matters, only the cross matters, is this idea of, is that enough? Is that enough for me? Is Jesus enough for me, or do I want more bread? Do I just want the bread, or do I truly want Jesus? This is the question I want us to reflect on as we go throughout this section of the scriptures. And earlier, actually, there's another message that stuck out to me that I'm thinking about that Pastor John gave and talked about Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
But sometimes I think we like to have Jesus as part of an a la carte menu in our lives. Like, yeah, Jesus is cool. Like, I have a little bit of Jesus in my life, but also these things are important to me as well. Is Jesus enough? Let's talk through these verses just a bit. I mentioned this is just, just after the feeding of the 5,000. And there's a little bit of context going on in here that I want to highlight because I think it's interesting to make connections to what we're talking about today. First of all, the book of John does a lot of calling back to the Exodus story, as well as Moses, who is kind of the key sort of central figure in the story of the Exodus, where God's people are liberated out of Egypt, out of slavery, and essentially headed toward the land that God had in store for them. So that's part of what's going on in the book of John. But also what's happening is John is highlighting lots of the Jewish festivals that come about as a result of what took place in Exodus. So anytime there's a Jewish festival, it's usually celebrating or acknowledging what God did for them and their ancestors in the story of the Exodus. The, the festival that's happening right now specifically is Passover. And Passover has to deal with bread. So whenever Jesus does a a certain kind of teaching or uh, does a miracle in the book of John, usually John is pointing out that it is connected to a festival that the Jews celebrated as a result of what happened in the Exodus. And on top of that, John recounts all of these sayings of Jesus where he says, I am. In this case, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. All of those are reminiscent of something else that took place in the Exodus. If you're familiar with the story, early on what takes place is before Moses even goes back to Egypt to liberate God's people from enslavement, he says to God, he has this conversation, he says, God, who should I say sent me? And God's response is, tell them I am. That's my name, I am. And so now Jesus is making these kinds of statements, the I am. So that's just a little bit of context. Now, in verse 30 to 31, we get the story about the manna or the bread. It was this uh, flaky substance that would grow on the grass and then turn into food for them to eat. And they didn't know what it was. They simply just said, what is it? And that's what manna means. What is it? But it was kind of like this bread-like substance. So there's connection there. And what had happened is when they were liberated out of enslavement, they had no place to go. They had no food to eat. So God provides them this manna. Now, they get this for 40 years. I don't know about you, but like the same diet for 40 years would get a little like, Ugh, this is dry. I, I could use, you know, I could use a little garlic on this one. This would be maybe some olive oil that would be helpful to make this a little bit more moist. No, they just get straight up manna for 40 years. Now, here's the thing. They get just enough. They get exactly what they need. Not too much, not too little. Because what happens is if they gather too much, it eventually rots and molds. There's a reason for that. Because God is trying to say, look, I'm going to give you what you need and just enough. But no more, no less. Because ultimately, it's not about the manna. It's not about the bread. Ultimately, this providence is to point you back to me, to show you my providence and my faithfulness. Ultimately, we could say it like this. I want you to trust the creator, not the created. Trust the creator, not the created. And so we get this story in Exodus 16. You can also read a little bit more about the development of this story in Numbers 11, where, you know, they're eating this for 40 years. They start to complain. 
start to be like, ah, oh, I can't do manna anymore. In fact, they complain so much that they even say, you know what, I wish we could go back to being in slavery because at least then in Egypt, we had meat, we had garlic, we had all these other things. They want to go back to slavery because they're sick of manna. And they're not sure when God is going to take them to the place where they're supposed to go. This is a pattern here with the people. God provides. It's not what they want. They complain and they forget that it's all about trusting in God, trusting in the creator over the created. But over and over again, they keep going back to the created. The same thing happens now with Jesus as we flip back to the story in John. They want more bread. Jesus just performed this miraculous sign, this, this incredible thing where they all were fed. He took five loaves of bread and two fish and he multiplied it so that everybody had exactly what they needed. Even the disciples, there was 12 disciples. Guess how many baskets were left over? 12. So God has a way of working things out just the right way. And now all of these people are coming to find Jesus because they want more bread. I love bread. Here's what Jesus says to them. I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you bread. You just want more bread. Jesus understands the motivation of their heart. You don't, you don't want to be with me. You don't want to trust the creator. You want to trust the created. You want more of the created. You want more bread. Jesus calls them out. Let me ask you, because we could sit here and be like, those dumb disciples, they just didn't get it. They don't, those people, they just don't understand. We do this thing too. We do the same things. I want to ask you, what do we do when Jesus calls us out? When he calls us out on our, our ill-intentioned motivations. And, and here's the thing, is if we're not in a place where we're ready to be challenged, where we're willing to be vulnerable and be exposed a little bit, oftentimes what we will do is we will change the subject. Or we'll try to, try to wrest control for ourselves. In verse 28, they change the subject. Hey, we want to do miracles too. What? Like, what, what does that have to do with anything? That, that's not even what we're talking about. Essentially what they're saying is, okay, so like if you're not going to give us more bread, show us how to do the thing that you did so we don't have to rely on you. We can just rely on ourselves and we can take control. We can just make bread for ourselves. Show us how to do the stuff. Show us how to do the miracles. They change the subject. They want to take control. Verse 29, Jesus says, okay, uh, the only work that you need to do, the only thing that you need to do is just simply believe. Believe in the one he has sent. In this case, he's referring to God, God the Father. Just believe in him. The thing that you're focused on is perishable. Focus on the eternal things. Well, what do we do when not only Jesus calls us out, but now Jesus calls us higher? He calls us higher. He calls us to something greater, something of eternal significance. Again, if we're not in a place where we're ready to be exposed, where we're wanting to be vulnerable, sometimes what we will do is we will deflect or we'll compare. Here's what the people do in this case. In verse 30, okay, well, uh, show us a sign. Show us a miracle if you want us to believe in you. Do you realize how ridiculous this statement is? This is literally the reason they came looking for Jesus, because he just performed a miracle. It, that's funny. Like, that, that's ridiculous. That they're, they're saying, well, prove it. Can you show us a miracle to show us that you're, like, worthy that we should believe in you? And 
few verses earlier, they literally just said, can we perform miracles like you? Like this, this is like a head spinner. It's like, this is really frustrating. This would make anybody go just a little bit insane. I was trying to think about like, how would I experience this? And this is a bit of a metaphor. It's kind of weak. Every metaphor breaks down, but just stick with me. It'd be like my kids coming to me and like, dad, you're like the greatest chef ever. Like you make the best mac and cheese I've ever had. I just want more of your mac and cheese because you're the greatest chef ever. And be like, guys, that thanks, that's cool, but like I make steak. There's, there's like a steak on the grill right now that's like way better than mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is like this level steak. The, the steak that I'm grilling is like way better than that. You could have steak instead of mac and cheese. Do you, would you like to try my steak? It would be like them responding with like, well, how do we know your steak's any good? We don't, I mean, we don't know. Can you, can you prove that you're a good chef? Can you prove that you know how to make steak? When a moment ago they were just saying I was the greatest chef in the world because I made mac and cheese. I don't know, that illustration helped me, so maybe it doesn't help you. But this, this is how I think of the people going to Jesus, looking for a miracle, and then saying, well, show us that you can perform a miracle. Then we'll believe in you. They compare him. They, they, they deflect, they compare him to Moses, they bring up the scriptures. Now, this is also weird and a little bit funny. Earlier, they call him rabbi, which means they acknowledge that he is a teacher. They acknowledge that he is an expert in understanding the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. Now, they're bringing scripture back to him and be like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Moses, kind of a big deal in our history. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you about a scripture, Jesus, in case you don't know it, because I know the scripture so much better than you. Uh, there is this scripture that says, Moses gave bread from heaven. They start comparing him to Moses. They start to use Jesus's profession, in a sense, back on him to try to like trick him or something. And Jesus just simply replies, no, it wasn't Moses. Moses didn't give you the bread. Moses didn't give you the bread. Only the bread came from God. He's the only one that can give you what you ultimately need. Now, that's all Jesus says. But I'm like, Jesus, you, you could have given them way more. You could have laid down the hammer a lot more. Because here's the thing. They go looking for bread. What they, don't for, what they don't remember is their history, their ancestors' history. Remember, they were given bread, they were given manna for 40 years. They start to complain about it in Numbers chapter 11. It talks about this whole story about where they're wanting to get out, go back to Egypt so that they can have meat because they're so sick of manna. Now, not only do they complain, they complain so much that it actually has a negative impact on Moses. This is what Moses says when he's talking to God, complaining about the people who are complaining about the manna. He says this, They keep whining to me, saying, Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, God, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. All of their complaining about the bread drives Moses to be suicidal. But they don't talk about any of that in the book of John. The disciples kind of conveniently forget about that moment and they start comparing Moses to Jesus and say, well, Moses gave us bread. Yeah, but do you remember you complained about it? Do you remember that you caused Moses to have a nervous breakdown and want to kill himself as a result of it? 
They don't acknowledge that. And Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. He just stays up here. I know what you're looking for. You're just looking for more bread. But only God can give you that bread. A bread that is far more eternal, significant. Says only God can give that bread. How do they respond? Great. Okay, great. Then, then give us that bread. We'll, we'll take that bread. I love bread. I need more bread. Break that bread. Let's go. Let's get that bread. It's still about the bread for these people. They still want bread. They love bread. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. It's me. The bread that you're looking for isn't bread at all. It's not some created thing. It is me. It's the creator. I am the bread of life. They don't see it. Jesus calls them out. He calls them higher. And then finally, he calls them to himself. What do we do when Jesus calls us to himself? No other thing, no other idol, no other created thing, but simply to himself. Well, sometimes we question things. We get really doubtful. We start to calculate all the risks, and maybe even in some cases we just run away altogether. Later in the story, Jesus begins to unpack a little bit more about what this means, that he is the bread of life. And he, he keeps speaking metaphorically, and he says things like, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, if this is your first time in a church, that can sound like really weird, like, oh, that's it for me. Thanks. You've all been great. It's a little weird. But what Jesus is doing is he's pointing people to his death. See, Moses, he wants to die because he is so sick and tired of the people complaining. But Moses doesn't die that day. But in this case, there is going to be a death with Jesus. It's a different kind of death. It's a death not of, out of misery, but a death that is caused out of self-sacrifice and out of his love and compassion for the people to be reconciled to God. But here's what happens. As Jesus says, you need to partake of me. You need to eat of me. My flesh and my blood will be broken and poured out and given to you for the forgiveness of sins so that you can experience eternal life. He's offering himself. But because of the way that Jesus talks about this, this different kind of bread that they should eat his flesh and drink his blood, they're like, no thanks. This is, this is too hard. In verse 60 in this story, they're like, this, this teaching is really, I don't know, I don't think this is for me. This is too hard, Jesus. Why? Because they want the Oprah diet, the Weight Watchers diet. They want to have their bread, and they want to achieve the same results. They want to have all of the things that they want to have, and they still want life to go as planned. They still want to experience eternal life, but they don't want to do that by connecting with the source of eternal life. They want the created, not the creator. It's too hard. 
because it might, might actually cause a change in me. It might actually compel me to transform something in my life. It might cause me to have to sacrifice something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want any of that. I want to have my bread and eat it too. Go about my day. I want to do whatever it is that I want to do. So Jesus, in this case, is just simply a means to an end for them. So what do they do? They run away. Before we go much further, I want us to reflect on our hearts, our human condition, if you will. I want to ask you a question, because I think this is a message about the motivations of the heart. And, and I said this before, this message is probably way more for me than it is for you. But what I want you to take away from this is this question. Do I love Jesus more than bread? Do I trust the creator more than the created? Or do I just want the Oprah diet? Is Jesus just sort of a part of the things that I do in my life? Is Jesus simply a means to your end? Here's what I want to do to get a little bit more specific. I have an action step for you to take into this week. And so what I want you to do is if you have a phone or if you prefer pen and paper or something like that, I want you to take notes. Take notes today. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And there might be one question or all of the questions that stick out to you in a very personal way. And I want you to take a note of that and then spend the rest of this week doing an assessment, doing an evaluation of the motivations of your heart. Is Jesus a means to your end? Here are the specific questions I want to ask. Do you love Jesus more than what Jesus can give you? Verse uh, 26, they come to Jesus because they want more bread. They want more physical blessing. They want more created things. Do I love Jesus more than what Jesus can give me? Am I in a relationship with Jesus? Am I following after God because he can get me things? He can get me more money. He can get me the job I want, the house that I want. I can get more physical blessing if I just trust in God. And that's really ultimately the reason why I'm in this relationship is so Jesus can get me more stuff. Do you love Jesus more than what Jesus can give you? In verse uh, 28, they just, they want to do all of the work. They want to perform miraculous signs like Jesus does. Do you love Jesus more than the influence and the power that he allows you to have? See, they want to have the same powers that Jesus has so that they don't need Jesus anymore. Just, you know, give us, give us the magic wand. Give us whatever it is that you did so I can do that too. And then you can go on your day, Jesus. I don't even need you anymore. I can just do the stuff myself. Do you love Jesus more than the power and the influence that you might get or that he might allow you to have? I met this uh, young man in, back in Minnesota when I lived in Minnesota who uh, grew up wanting to be like this famous celebrity pastor for whatever reason. It was kind of a, a strange thing to talk about. He would share this story that he, when he was a young kid, he would sit and he would watch this other famous preacher preach with and draw thousands of people and all he kept thinking is I want to do that someday I want to do that someday and it wasn't so much like I want to be a pastor or I want to share the gospel it was 
I want to speak and have thousands of people draw near to me. Why? That's really weird. That, like, that sounds way more about you than it does about God and about giving glory to God. And, and Nathan said it this way a couple weeks ago. He said, I used to have this desire that I wanted to do great things for God. Now, that sounds really great. Sounds really Christian even, right? I used to want to do great things for God, but then I realized I just want to do things for a great God. You hear the difference? Do you hear the motivation of the heart? Do you hear the humility? It's not about me. It's not about what I can do to draw a crowd. Would I still be willing to do what I do if it were for five people, for ten people? Would God still get the glory? Do I love Jesus more than the influence or the power that he allows us to have? The next one in verse 30. He wants them to do something for them. The, the, the people want Jesus to do something for them. Do you love Jesus more than what Jesus can do for you, can perform for you? Jesus, if you could just take away this pain, if you could just give me more joy, if you could get me into the college that I want, then I'll be convinced to believe in you. Then you'll show me that you're worthy that I can put my trust in you, but only then. Just perform for me, Jesus. You're a means to an end for me. Do you love Jesus more than the heroes of the faith that we sometimes worship? In verse 31, they compare Jesus to Moses. Moses is all of a sudden their hero, even though they drove him to have a nervous breakdown and to eventually be suicidal because of all of their complaining. But now, now Moses, we can use Moses to talk about in terms of him being our hero. Do we love Jesus more than our hero worship, our celebrity worship? What I mean is this, is we put a lot of authors and pastors and uh, podcasters on a certain pedestal and we say, well, I will only listen to this person. I'll only listen to this pastor. I'll only read that author because their version of Jesus is the true version of Jesus. And so any other voice I can't pay attention to. Guess what? That usually ends in destruction. In fact, the number 14 podcast, ranked podcast in America right now, is about a megachurch and its celebrity pastor that had a huge rise and huge fall because of the abuse of power. And granted, he, he garnered a huge following of people who started to sound like him and act like him and even begin to say, I only listen to this pastor because his version of Jesus is the only version of Jesus that I can understand. And his idea of what faith looks like is the only version that faith can look like. And all of a sudden, they got more and more influence and more and more power, and then it just was destroyed. It all came crashing down. Because he's human, not a celebrity. The reason it's the number 14 podcast in America right now is because people are paying attention to this. People see the BS from miles away. People who are not part of the church look at this and say, that's why I'm not part of the church, because it's all about power and fame and celebrity and status and money and whatever it is that they think it's a part of. They want nothing to do with it. And people recognize the gravity of our celebrity pastor hero worship that we do when we make it more about them and less about Jesus. Do you love Jesus more than the pastor you follow, the author you read? 
about this one? Do you love Jesus or a version of Jesus that may have been constructed for you? I didn't read this section, but right before this story, what takes place is after Jesus feeds the 5,000, people are excited. Naturally, they should be, right? Like this, this guy just took five loaves of bread and two fish and multiplied it for over 5,000 people to eat. That's a big deal. This, guy's has, this guy has major power. Wait, what, what other powers does he have? What else could he do? Maybe he could help us like overthrow the Roman Empire. Maybe, maybe he could be our king. And Jesus, understanding the motivations of the heart, what he does is he slips away out of the crowd because he sees what they want him to do. They try to force him to become their military and political king. He's going to be king, all right, just not the kind of king that they're looking for. He's going to be a king that ultimately goes to a cross and dies. That's not the kind of king they want. This is where Jesus is headed. When we talk about the version of Jesus that maybe we have created in our own minds and in our own hearts, is Jesus a means to a political end for you? Well, I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and this is my understanding of Jesus, and so therefore I can get this bill passed. Or I can vote for this person to be in office, and they'll get my thing done. And then the world will be a better place. Like, what, what do we use Jesus for? to further our governmental, political, military, whatever needs that we feel are more important than the version of Jesus that we get from the scriptures? Who doesn't want to be a political, military king because it's going to fail? He's a king that has eternal significance that, is only, that only comes by self-sacrifice, by humility, by love, by not being in power. Do you love Jesus more than the version of Jesus that you've constructed in your own heart? These are really hard questions. I've got one more question, but this one is probably more for me. I think it's specifically unique to what I'm going through and why I feel like it was important that God put this message on my heart. Do I love Jesus? Or is Jesus simply a means to a vocational end for me? Does Jesus help me have better sermons? Does Jesus help me so that I can uh, achieve more in my job and in my career? Do I only love Jesus because I'm a pastor? Maybe if I turn that around, would I still love Jesus? Would I still want to connect with Jesus if I wasn't a pastor? Would I still all, do all the things that I do? I still believe all of the things that I believe. That's an uncomfortable question. I didn't like that question. I don't think I'll write that one down. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Maybe you're feeling that with some of the questions that I brought. And this is going to be a hard week wrestling through this. Because what do we do when Jesus calls us out? Or when he calls us higher? 
or when he calls us simply to himself? Will we change the subject? Will we take control? Will we deflect? Will we compare? Will we run away? Here's what the people did. They thought the teaching was too hard. And so in verse 66, it says this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They left. Said, peace out. That's it for me. I don't need you, Jesus. If you can't get me what I want, I'll go find it somewhere else. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, You also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? (laughs) You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. That's it. Jesus' ministry, his church, gets smaller as the Gospels go on because it gets harder. And he ends up with 12 and then eventually 11. (laughs) Right before his death, he loses one more member. One more church member who says, you know what, that's it for me. This is the reality of how it turns out. Is Jesus enough? And for the disciples that stay, they say, you have the words that can help us build an army. Nope. You have the words that can make more bread. Nope. You have the words that give eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. That's it. Is Jesus enough? See, how do we know? How do we know with a sense of certainty that we can answer that question, that our motivations are in the right place? Like, what's the barometer for myself as I wrestle through these questions and be like, I I don't know. I, I, I hope I'm giving the right answer. I hope I love Jesus more than the created things. I hope I trust in the creator more than the created how would I know? Here's a good indicator. When everything starts to fall apart, when everything is lost, when others run away, when everything else is stripped away, even the good things, when all of it is stripped away, but you still want Jesus. That's your indicator. That's your indicator that your motivation is in the right place. Do you want Jesus? Simply Jesus. I mentioned we're going to do a series here soon on our codes, and one of our codes is encounter Jesus, not encounter the love of Jesus, not encounter the grace and the mercy of Jesus, the joy of Jesus. All of those are good. But you don't get any of those things except for with Jesus. Encounter Jesus, simply Jesus, and believe. For some of you listening today, maybe this is the first time that you realized that all you have is Jesus. Everything else, when it gets stripped away, 
and all you're left with is Jesus, you're realizing that's all I can go to. He is the true bread from heaven. If you're realizing that today and you want to partake of that meal, I want to invite you to pray along with me. But also, I want to invite for those of you who have made it about the bread. Because in some ways, the bread is still attached to Jesus. Jesus is the one that created that bread. And so it feels and sounds like it's Jesus-y, like it's Christian. And so, of course, my intentions are good because I want something that's Christian. I want something that's from God. But it is it taking, it, is it taking you away from Jesus? Is the created distracting you from the creator? And so you might just need that heart reset, that recommitment. Wherever you land, I want to invite you to pray with me. God, I'm going to step out on a limb today because I have trusted in created things to get me through this life. But I don't know if I'm experiencing any kind of eternal life that you promise. And so today I will choose to trust you, only you. When everything else falls away, things fall apart, people run away, things are stripped away from my life, I still want you. I do believe, God, help me in my unbelief. Help me to partake of the true bread from heaven. Well, thank you again for joining us. And I do sincerely hope and pray that you will connect with us. Um, if something stuck out to you in the message and you want to take a next step, the best thing for you to do is to go to lifechurchcanton.org slash now. And there's a couple different links there on how to get connected. Specifically, there is a button there that says connect card. You can click on that, fill out some information about yourself. And then one of us on our team, on our staff, will be in touch with you and uh, will help you take a next step. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here real soon.